Good morning, and welcome to Simply Economics. It's Friday, January 26th. On today's show, we'll be discussing the macroeconomic challenges in the global automotive industry and how sovereign wealth funds impact macroeconomics. Plus, the World Bank is set to provide $300 million to Ghana to strengthen macroeconomic stability and support resilient economic growth. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Economics. We start off with a look at the global inflation surge of 2021-22, spurred by the COVID-19 pandemic and the Russia-Ukraine war, and its significant challenges to the automotive industry, particularly in its shift towards electrification. Increased material costs and interest rates have made vehicles more expensive to manufacture and purchase, adding pressure on consumers during a cost-of-living crisis. To navigate these turbulent times, it's crucial for governments and industry stakeholders to establish a clear e-mobility agenda that encourages innovation, ensures supply chain security, and sustains sales growth. Joining us now is Bella, our correspondent for Simply Economics. Can you break down the challenges the automotive industry is facing due to inflation? Certainly. Inflation is causing uncertainty in the industry's transition to electrification. The increased costs of materials and higher interest rates are making it more expensive to produce and buy vehicles. This is happening at a time when many consumers are already grappling with a cost-of-living crisis, making it even harder for them to afford new vehicles, especially electric ones, which tend to be more expensive. What are some of the strategies that automakers are considering to survive these macroeconomic challenges? Automakers are exploring various strategies. For instance, Volkswagen Truck and Bus has shared a recipe for survival that includes onshoring and nearshoring to transform auto supply chains. This means bringing production closer to home to reduce costs and increase control. Additionally, geopolitical considerations are reshaping clean tech investment strategies. Companies are also looking at how rising labor costs could affect the industry, particularly in the U.S. Could an economic downturn potentially stall the transition to electric vehicles? Yes, an economic downturn could indeed slow down the EV transition. If consumers have less disposable income, they may be less likely to invest in electric vehicles, which are generally more expensive than their traditional counterparts. This could lead to a decrease in demand, which could in turn slow down the pace of the transition. What impact is this economic turbulence having on the growth of the German automotive industry? The German automotive industry, which is a major player in the global market, is feeling the impact of this economic turbulence. The inflation surge and the associated challenges are threatening the industry's growth. However, it's important to note that the industry is resilient and has weathered economic storms in the past. The key will be how effectively it can adapt to these new challenges and continue to innovate in the face of adversity. Thank you, Bella, for shedding light on this complex issue from Simply Economics. Now let's switch gears to international development, where the World Bank has approved a $300 million development policy operation for Ghana. This financing, 
known as the First Resilient Recovery Development Policy Financing, is a significant contribution by the bank's International Development Association to aid Ghana's economic recovery and promote resilient and inclusive growth. Here with more on this is our correspondent, Abby. Can you tell us more about this financing and what it means for Ghana? Certainly, David. The government of Ghana is committed to restoring macroeconomic stability and implementing reforms for long-term sustainable growth and transformation. This $300 million development policy financing, the first in a series of three, will help ease Ghana's fiscal constraints, sustain economic recovery, and protect the poor and vulnerable. This financing package comes on the heels of an agreement in principle by the Official Creditors Committee under the G20 Common Framework. Could you explain the significance of this agreement? Absolutely. The agreement outlines the key parameters of the proposed debt restructuring for Ghana. It's in line with the Joint World Bank International Monetary Fund Debt Sustainability Framework and represents a critical step toward restoring debt sustainability. This is a crucial milestone for Ghana. What are the key priorities for Ghana that this financing will support? The financing supports several urgent priorities for Ghana. These include restoring fiscal and debt sustainability, bolstering growth prospects, curbing inflation, and protecting the most vulnerable. These measures are essential to attract more foreign investment, revitalize the domestic private sector, build resilience against climate change, and improve the quality of life of its people. What are the specific objectives of the Resilient Recovery Development Policy Operation? This operation, which is the first in a series of three, aims to restore fiscal sustainability, support financial sector stability and private sector development, improve energy sector financial discipline, and strengthen social and climate resilience. The reforms supported by this financing series include strengthening domestic revenue mobilization, controlling expenditures, safeguarding financial sector stability, removing barriers to private investment, and setting the energy sector on a sounder financial and operational footing. Can you tell us more about the World Bank's International Development Association that's providing this financing? The International Development Association, or IDA, was established in 1960. It provides grants and low to zero interest loans for projects and programs that boost economic growth, reduce poverty, and improve the lives of poor people. It's one of the largest sources of assistance for the world's poorest countries, with about 70% of its resources going to Africa. Since its establishment, IDA has provided $458 billion to 114 countries. Thank you for those insights, Abby. That was Simply Economics reporter Abby discussing the World Bank's $300 million development policy operation for Ghana. Now let's shift our focus to the global financial economy, where sovereign wealth funds, or SWFs, are playing an increasingly significant role across various industries, given the vast amounts of capital they control. Now, they are part of a group of investors telling financial managers that they want capital from older investment funds released before committing to future fundraisers. Joining us now to discuss this is our correspondent, Celeste. Can you tell us more about the influence of these SWFs? Certainly, David. Sovereign wealth funds have become central players in the global economy. Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, or PF, is perhaps the most high-profile SWF at present. 
It oversees assets worth nearly $800 billion, and its investments are central to the Saudi Vision 2030 diversification plan. However, the largest SWF is the Norway government pension fund, Global, which holds total assets of almost $1.5 trillion, followed by the China Investment Corporation with $1.2 trillion. And what role do these SWFs play, particularly in emerging markets? SWFs typically amass a wealth of capital, which can be used to diversify a country's sectoral focus to protect and grow its economy. In emerging markets, foreign SBOFs can provide crucial infrastructure projects to help drive forward an economy and open opportunities that may not be otherwise possible. They have been an influential and transformative force, providing important sources of capital, especially since the 2008 financial crisis. How do SWEFs impact businesses? In the business world, SDUF investments are now a regular occurrence rather than a rarity. Their deep pockets and long-term horizons make them valued partners. However, some economic observers also see potential risks if S come to dominate certain sectors or pursue non-commercial goals. So, as we've learned from Simply Economics reporter Celeste, the rise of SWFs is a reflection of the rising economic strength of the nations they represent. And by investing strategically, these countries are planning for security and prosperity long term. With that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Economics, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.